0: Maybe be seated. Before we turn to the scripture, I want to uh, mention something in connection with something that I said last week um, in a confusing way that uh, led to some misunderstanding and brought distress uh, to um, at least a couple of people that I'm aware of. They had the kindness to mention it to me, but I was speaking on social uh, inequality and used the words uh, weak and strong, and um, some misunderstood me to mean that I was identifying um, black people with those who are weak. Um, I do not believe that, and that is not what I meant to convey. Um, I uh, can understand, however, how it was taken that way, and I do Apologize for those words too easily misunderstood. I had quoted uh, Primo Levi, uh, and he, he said that uh, in good government, the strong are kept from becoming too strong, and the weak from becoming too weak. And my my point was that a good government uh, keeps those. For example, in the judicial system or in the police department from dealing unjustly with those whom they are called uh, to serve. And God does uh, require special care for those who are subject to oppression and in the Old Testament society. That, of course, included that eternal quartet of the poor, the widows, the orphans, and the sojourners. And in our context, it is often with the poor, and often as well with Black Americans. I do, conf- I do apologize for my confusing words. And even now, as we turn to Leviticus 19, uh, I want you to I want you to see as we'll read verses um, 9 through 18, and then we'll we'll flip over to Romans 13. I want you to notice in this reading um, how the law is designed um, to to, uh, sharpen our understanding of of godliness. And as we're reading through this, I want you to look at um, how you want to be treated. How you want to be treated is reflected in many of these laws. And on the other hand, how the law also is meant to do others no harm. How we are to do only good. So let us consider those themes. We'll be speaking about them from Romans 13 uh, momentarily. Leviticus 19, beginning with verse 9. When you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not reap your field right up to its edge, neither shall you gather the gleanings after your harvest. And you shall not strip your vineyard bare, Uh, Neither shall you gather the fallen grapes of your vineyard. You shall leave them for the poor and for the sojourner. I am the Lord your God. You shall not steal. You shall not deal falsely. You shall not lie to one another. You shall not swear by my name falsely and so profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. You shall not oppress your neighbor to rob him. The wages of a hired servant shall not remain with you all night until the morning. You shall not curse the deaf or put a stumbling block before the blind, but you shall fear your God. I am the Lord. You shall do no injustice in court. You shall not be partial to the poor or defer to the great. But in righteousness you, will judge, you judge your neighbor, and you uh, shall not go around as a slanderer among your people. You shall not stand up against the life of your neighbor. I am the Lord. You shall not hate your brother in your heart, but you shall reason frankly with your neighbor, lest you incur sin because of him. You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And we will see that again in Romans 13. Let us turn to uh, the 13th chapter of Romans, and I'll be picking up at verse 8, and we'll just be reading three verses This morning. Romans chapter 13, verses 8, 9, and 10 from the New Testament. Owe no one anything except to love each other, for the one who loves another has fulfilled the law, the commandments, You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not covet. And any other commandment are summed up in this word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. May God strengthen us through the ministry of his word uh, this morning. I am sure that uh, each of us wants uh, to be in a a loving relationship with others. Perhaps you enjoy that now on many fronts. Uh, Sometimes um, love is easy. Sometimes it flows with a mutual enjoyment that makes life grand. Other times, uh, love is about the hardest thing that we are called to do. Still beautiful, still good, but difficult. In pop culture, uh, seems like forever, <laughs> uh, there, there has been um, much, much written and sung about love. Uh, we think of the Beatles song, which... I remember singing along with it uh, when it came out back in the in the '60s. All you need is love, and, and listen to these words. Nowhere you can be that isn't where you're meant to be. It's easy. Then all you need is love. All you need is love. All you need is love. Love is all you need, and it's simple, right? It's a lot easier to sort of sing that way when the congregation is almost empty. <laughs> Um, it's, it's simple, right? Um, Simon and Garfunkel had a very different message. Uh, Don't talk of love. I've heard the word before. It's sleeping in my memory. I won't disturb the slumber of feelings that have died. If I never loved, I never would have cried. I am a rock. I am an island. And a rock feels No pain, an island never cries. Given up on love, blocks it out, will purpose to live without it. The scripture has a a rich and beautiful way to talk about love in multiple ways. Today we want to think about the relationship between the law of God and our loving obedience. The law and love. And in fact, if you remove love, a commitment to live out a life of love, if you remove love from law, you actually lose the law itself. It is dutiful but it has none of the glory of, first, of, um, of Psalm 119, where we run in obedience to God's command because He has enlarged our heart and we are excited about God and His law, His purposes for us. If you remove love from law, you lose the law itself. On the other hand, if you remove the law from love, you lose love. Life becomes slippery. And dangerous and harmful. But law and love are linked together. And pray the Holy Spirit in our lives, in your walking this out, that you would have law and love linked together, inextricably, tightly bound together. Now our passage opens in verse uh, 8 with something that might seem a little daunting and even overwhelming as we read it. Look at verse 8 with me. Oh, no one anything except to love each other. You have one debt to love each other. Uh, now, now, this uh, passage has often been used as a proof text for our wise use of money. We are to stay out of debt. We are to pay our debts on time. And we are to uh, pay our taxes and re- we are uh, to return anything that we would borrow from another person. If we've got a, a hammer, a screwdriver, or a lawnmower sitting in our garage, maybe you're even getting a little, maybe you're remembering that right now. You need to return that to your neighbor. But verse uh, this this passage really is tightly linked with verse seven, where we were just we just saw last week we are to or, or two weeks ago now we were to, we are to pray uh, or pay all that is owed to those in authority, uh, taxes to whom they're owed, revenue to whom they're owed, respect to whom it is owed, honor to whom it is owed, and here pay what you owe your neighbor. Now, Origen has, a a second century uh, church father, has has an amazing quote here. Um, The debt of love should remain and never cease to be owed. We should both pay this debt and always owe it. That's what I mean about being, you could be overwhelmed by this. We're always to pay it out. We're always to be committed to love our neighbor, and yet we have never said, I've got that finished. You owe each person around you the debt of love every day. And you may have done very well yesterday, but as you wake up this morning, you have that same call to obedience. That same debt is there. You must keep at it. And one thing is very important, I think, to see about this: it's we cannot look at love as merely um, separate, isolated acts of obedience that we've got to sort of remember to do, remember to do. I I, I I promised I would I would wash a certain thing in our household, and Gail reminded me of it yesterday. I've been losing sight of that. Okay, well I got to do that duty. Well, it is true; I should do that duty. But it's more than that. It is a frame of mind. There is a splendor and a joy to this. I owe you a a great and wonderful debt of love that I can never pay off. You owe one another a great and wonderful uh, debt of love that you can never pay off. How we relate to one another in our families and in the church of God. Is it easy? Of course it's not always easy. Is it exhausting? And is it sometimes overwhelming? Of course it is. And surely people will fail you. They will disappoint you. And you will be tempted, perhaps routinely tempted, to say, I'm done! I've had it! And you then begin to create your own little island where you will feel no pain uh, one of our friends uh, in the Wednesday night uh, uh, Zoom call this past week brought up the concept of, of cancel culture. That is that is when you've had it with someone, you're just done with them, um, it, it, you, you, you unfriend them from Facebook, if you're into that kind of thing, you don't return emails, you don't return texts, there is no explanation, you just, you just cancel them, they don't exist. So, a great place for us to start today is there someone that you've canceled? Is there someone that you've canceled and said, You, you don't matter to me. I don't owe you a debt of love. We're done. Start there. Start there. Is there anyone that you've written off? Well, well, secondly, as we move, we move on then, um, there is beauty. Uh, the beauty of love in fulfilling the law. The beauty of love as it fulfills the law. Um, one one um, writer today puts it this way, Christian obedience is never less than obeying the law, but it is so much more. Christian obedience is never less than obeying the law, but it is so much more. Um, Amazingly, uh, this point has to be made. Uh, Even uh, there are objections to this uh, the the call of the the moral law of God, Um, so I have to spell it out here, the moral law still applies. There are even religious objections to this. There are people you will hear if you are talking to them and asking them questions, you will hear people say, um, there is no law but love. That's how I fulfill my responsibility to God and to other people. A heart full of love. And they'll even quote, many believers will even quote, um, uh, uh, Romans Romans, uh, 6, verse 14, that, that I'm not under law, but I'm under... There is no greater, more... There is no more misunderstood verse than that one in all of the Scripture, I would say. We are not under law, but under grace does not mean that you can simply uh, do what you want. Listen to the second verse of that same chapter. How can we who died to sin still live in it? We're united to Christ in His death and resurrection. We have been filled with the Spirit. How can we be casual about the law? We must make it clear. We are not saved by it. We are not saved by our performance and by our law-keeping. That is clear. That is clear. But we are saved for it. Trust Him who justifies the ungodly and your faith is counted as righteousness. Chapter 4. In order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled in him. Chapter 8, verse 4. Herman Bavink, I'm not able to get through um, a sermon these days without mentioning him. Herman Bavink put it this way, a believer is much more firmly bound to the law than before. A believer is more firmly bound to the law than he was before. Having the Holy Spirit, uh, having that debt of gratitude, there is love for God and for his law, so much that Christ, we are joined to Christ so that those righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled. And as Jesus himself said, the law and the prophets remain, and they are fulfilled as we have wholehearted love for God, loving God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loving our neighbor as ourselves. Um Paren right here, if you're following along on the outline that, that uh, we sent to you this week, um, I goofed it up. This is what I meant to say. Love fulfills the law. Love fulfills the law. It fleshes it out. It completes it. It fills it out. There is a religious objection, of course, but there is also a secular objection. That creeps into the church. This secular uh, perspective that says love, love has its own moral compass. And there is such a thing as what is right for you. And it is, it, we, we, we want to throw off, even in the church, to throw off external authority because it robs us of our freedom. Our, our, our culture says, and at times, at times even in the church we act as if the highest goal is being true to ourselves and doing what we want to do rather than understanding the beauty of God's law. Rather than understanding and loving the beauty of God's law. And it is so, it is so practical here what is God's law? How can we? Another way to summarize it, we got this out of, uh, we got this out of Leviticus. Uh, it is, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now, there is a kind of self love that is inappropriate, that is selfishness, that is self centered, and we just do what we want to do. And we build our lives around the idea that I'm going to do what I want regardless of what anyone else says, and I'm just, I'm just going to act selfishly. I'm going to serve myself. And clearly, that is at odds with agape, the, the, uh, the call here for a commitment to do good regardless of how the, the object of your love is acting. That is, a, that is a, a steadfast love that comes from God towards sinners whom He makes His righteous people. And it is a commitment to do others good. Well, we also see in this passage that we then uh, love your neighbor as yourself, Then we are to love others with as much interest and commitment as we do have for ourselves. Love, love others with the same measure of commitment to your own happiness and interest in your own goals. Look at your neighbors and consider those things. Seek their good as you seek your own. And that is to love them with, with wisdom, with intentionality, with commitment, with endurance and steadfastness. And, and we, must, we must compare or contrast that form of loving others with the same love that you have for yourself. You must contrast that with what we often settle for, which is an appearance of doing what is appearance of love, appearance of obedience, but it's without a heart. It's without, without a heart going through the motions. Well, the second table of the law, and Paul doesn't mention all of them here. He doesn't mention parents or children to honor their parents. Kids, you're not getting an out here, okay? He says, if there be any other laws, include them too. And so he certainly, certainly intends for that as well. But the second uh, table of the law shows how you are to seek the good of others. How you are to seek the good of others. A simple point here, you can't break the commandments and call it love. You cannot break the commandments and say that you're loving. You can't steal from someone and say you're loving. You can't murder and say you're loving. You can't even covet and say you're loving. Because covet in the, the, Forbidding, coveting includes includes being glad for the other's success. I want to sit for a few moments on one of the commandments listed here. In fact, the first one listed here that is so often today today um, simply simply ignored in many places, simply ignored, and that is the command uh, to be faithful in the marriage relationship. And it's put this way, uh, you are not to commit adultery. You instead are to be faithful. To commit adultery is not to love. To practice fornication, sexual intimacy outside of marriage, is not love. It's not. It may feel like it, but to take it, Something that doesn't belong to you is to cheapen it. Sex is designed for a committed relationship. And you, if you are practicing adultery or fornication, you are enacting a unity that you do not have. Marriage reflects the beauty of our marriage relationship, our marriage to Jesus. And it is grounded in his self-giving for his bride, for her good. So if you're breaking God's commands here, you can't love. Some will argue against this. Well, I'm just testing it out for compatibility. You know, try before you buy and that kind of thing. The ironic thing here uh, is that if you um, if you um, are practicing... Um, uh, cohabiting, and then you do decide to marry, actually your odds of staying married go down. Why is that? You've already shown yourself willing to be selfish. Remember this, though, that God brings restoring grace to his worst messes, as he has in my life. He brings restoring grace to the worst messes. Where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. What a merciful God you have come to him. Well, verse 10 uh, goes on to uh, talk about, uh, well, let me read it. Uh, Love does no wrong to a neighbor, neither Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. Uh, love provides, stay with me here, um, love provides both explosion and direction. Um, love provides both explosion and then the law provides the direction of, of your life. And, and I want you to think about love being uh, like, um, like a gun that requires both an explosion and a barrel. I- imagine with me here that you have a gun that does not have a barrel and you've got a, a bullet in the chamber and you fire the gun and-, and you've got explosion, boom, and your face is now black and maybe eyes blown out. Uh, you can't um, fire this gun without an explosion. That's necessary. But if without a bullet in there, and without, or without a barrel there, you are in trouble. Well, regeneration is the explosion. Regeneration is the explosion of that gun. A regeneration is ignited by the love of God. Its source, the source of love, is in the person of God himself, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in perfect harmony for all time and essentially inviting us into the fellowship of the triune God of love. And it sees itself in our experience in the self-giving of Jesus who says greater love has no one than this that He laid down His life for His friends. And so the explosion, the energy, the source of power For our love comes from the love of God in himself and for us. And people, what else will release from your heart the compassion towards those who have hurt you? What else besides the love of God? How else can you give affection and warmth to someone who has slighted you and just ignored you and hurt you? What else can ignite love when you're dealing with someone who is difficult and combative and even annoying? What else than the ignition of God's love? And what else can heal our land but an explosion of the love of God through the person of Jesus Christ for lost sinners? We need an explosion of the love of God to energize us, to push us out, to strengthen us for a life that will glorify God. But we also need a barrel. Imagine, imagine if you have only an explosion and no barrel, the ball, the the the, uh, the bullet can just go anywhere. Uh, but in, with a gun, as I understand it, uh, you talk to Jason, if I don't get this quite right, but, but the bullet spirals through the barrel and then it, and then it, and it, and it adds um, uh, direction and accuracy to that bullet. And you hit the target of your obedience. Love isn't aimless. You don't just do what you want. People who do what they want leave carcasses behind them and their families and elsewhere. So we must ask ourselves, do we have both the spark, the explosion of God's love and also a commitment to follow obediently the law of God, which is also an expression of his love and is for our good? We must ask ourselves if we are seduced uh, to follow the feelings, uh, our, our feelings and away from the beauty of God's law. God's love propels the bullet and God's law directs it. And you need them both. Love also adds then the motive uh, that we do them no harm, that we want to seek their good. We want to seek their good. We have an opportunity um, to pay the debt of love, even during this time of of COVID um, downshifting of life. Um, there, there are many different, um, ideas that people have with, uh, with COVID there, depending on what you're listening to, uh, what you're inclined to believe you, there are, there are so many different positions and viewpoints out there and, and it is way, way too easy to be critical of people who don't share your viewpoint. And I'm not even going to get into that. I'm just saying it's way too easy to be critical of those who don't share your perspective. But here's the simple truth, my friends. The person is always more important than your views or mine. The person is always more important. So you don't have to judge motives. You are free from uh, from assessing another person's scientific understanding of the process. You you certainly do not judge the biblical maturity of the people over on that side as being different from your own. When When you are seeking to love others as you love yourself, those questions become absurd and harmful and destructive of the peace in the family and in the church. Don't go there. How can I love? First of all, do no harm. I'm, I'm very thankful for the decision uh, that the uh, session here came up with this past uh, past week, I think it was, um, to, to handle the afternoon service. Uh, it was, I kind of had the thought as we were talking about it, a bit of a Solomonic wisdom here um, that uh, enabled to provide for people who, who um, have a greater sense of, of freedom um, and those who have a greater sense of needing to be more protective. Uh, different places to sit. And we have the opportunity to defer to the other. When we come in, we'll put our masks on because we love and we want to do no harm. We want to treat others as we would want to be treated in their shoes. So, so the bases are covered. I think it's beautiful. I think it's wonderful. We have the opportunity to love. Well, where are you today? Where are you today? Have you, have you canceled anybody recently? Um, have you um, disregarded the beauty of God's law and just are doing what you want to do? Or are you tired, simply tired of, of living a life of th- needing to think about other people and you feel like you're kind of at the end of yourself? What makes any of this work? Um, in our in our uh, quiet time, Bible time over these past this past week or so we've been looking at Hebrews 12 and I come back a time and time and time again um, looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith, looking to Jesus. And I remember saying to Gail and Katie the other day, just I need to do this every day. You're like me, you need to do this every day. Look unto Jesus. He is your, He is your king, but he has also come to serve. Christ became a servant for us. Let's even put it more personally. Christ became a servant for you. Your servant. To do what you could never do on your own. And so, of course, you follow Christ and take the form of a servant. And as you do so, you begin to experience true freedom. The freedom of forgetting about yourself. Forgetting about whether that other person deserves the kind of love that you're giving to them. That is is a non-issue. You are following Christ in the path of freedom and in the path of love. And you you are fulfilling righteousness for the glory of God. I pray that for you. I pray that for all of us. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, um, thank you for your word. Thank you for its truth. Thank you for its stability. Thank you that it searches out our hearts and our motives and leaves none of us unscathed. Oh, but how we praise you for the mercy that you provide, for the blood that flows from your side. So that we might find and be assured of a powerful forgiveness that enables a powerful servant-like love. Father, if there's anyone uh, who's been listening to this today or will in days to come, We pray, God, that you would work a mighty salvation. That admission, that acknowledgement, that living one's life for oneself is a dangerous path and ultimately an unproductive path. And may their path instead lead them to the cross of Jesus where there is mercy afresh each day for each one. In the name of Christ we pray.